0: Hey y'all, thank you so much for joining us here at Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm the pastor of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama. And on behalf of our congregation, I welcome you. The identity statement for the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ movement is, We are the Disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. As part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. We are grateful that you accepted Christ's invitation to worship with us today. I'm also excited to be sharing the leadership of this service with several awesome individuals. First, I'd like to introduce our liturgist, Jeff Shaver. Welcome. And next, I would like to introduce Mariana Pena, who is singing with Jason Wright today. She's a member of our congregation, and when we were meeting in person, she shared the gift of her voice often. But this is the first time since the pandemic hit that we've gotten to sing with her again. So I'm really excited. And finally, we have with us Gerald Roberts, our music director and keyboardist, and Annie Ingram, our horn player. Our congregation has a long history of fellowship and worship with the Hispanic community, and often our music represents that. Today, you will hear some of our favorite hymns sung in both English and Spanish. I hope that they are as much a blessing to you as they have been to me. Now before we get started with our worship service, I would like to take a moment to mention tithing. Many people get offended when churches talk about money or ask people to give money. I understand that sentiment in that it could make you feel like the only reason we want you here is to get your money. But when a church is a community of faith doing its best to live out the kingdom of God and sharing the love of Christ with the world, tithing isn't about the money at all. Tithing is an ancient spiritual discipline that even Jesus practiced as a devout Jewish man. It is a way of making a sacrifice to God in order to express the deep love and gratitude and awe that you have for your creator. Tithing is an act of giving, a gift to God. It has the added benefit of helping the ministry of the church live out its calling in the world. In the ancient temple, the tithes and offerings given to the temple were in the form of livestock or grain from the fields. God was pleased with the sacrifice and the food that was given was then used to feed the priests of the temple and the poor people in the area. Likewise, today the tithes and offerings go to keep the ministry going at First Christian Church and at all of the other churches out there. And giving a regular tithe to God will help you grow closer to Him in so many ways. So, if you feel so moved, please consider giving to God through us. You can either go to our webpage www.fccanniston.org scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. The first page that comes up will automatically be ask for your credit card, switch over to PayPal because PayPal is the only functioning donation option for the time being. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church at 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama 36207. Now I invite you to gather your elements for, com- for worship, for communion, gather your bread or your crackers, your juice or your wine, and I invite you to light a candle. Let us welcome in the light of Christ as we come to the Lord with adoration and love. Please pause this recording while you go and get what you need. All of our hymns can be found in your Friday Reminders email. If you don't currently get that email, contact us on our website and ask us to add you to our list. And now, let us sing our first two hymns, Alabare, which means, Oh, I will praise, and Santo, 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 Santo," which means, Holy, Holy, Holy. Let us sing.
1: comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 and 23. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds he went up to the he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came he was there alone but by this time the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God.
0: pray with me. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my Redeemer. Now somewhere in the world last night, a child lay shaking beneath his sheets, terrified of the storm raging outside. When the rain fell, he trembled. When the thunder crashed, he cried out. And when the wind moaned through the trees, causing the branch outside of his window to tap, 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 he threw the covers aside and ran to his parents' bedroom. This is because sometimes it's the wind that is the most dangerous, the most distracting, and the most terrifying element in a storm. Our scripture today takes place immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, Or as we talked about last week, was it the feeding of the 15 or 17,000? After Jesus had spoken to the crowd, after he had healed them and fed them and fulfilled their physical and spiritual needs, he finally sent them home. Then Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. When Matthew wrote these words down, he more than likely had a specific group, other than the disciples, in mind. He was foreshadowing the future, after the death and resurrection, and after the ascension, when Jesus was finally gone and the church was indeed on its own. As we see, Jesus is far from his disciples, way up on a mountaintop, while his disciples are alone in a boat, weathering a terrible storm without him. Those disciples in that boat, to Matthew, are the church after the ascension. Very often churches do feel like this, I think. They are knocked this way and that way by situations in and out of their control, rolling over the waves that life and the world throw at them. And just as often, we wonder, where is Jesus? If Jesus were here, this wouldn't happen. I imagine in the last few months, a lot of people have thought that. So many times, the weight of the world falls heavy on our shoulders, doesn't it? We, the church, answer the call to be Jesus in the world, to answer the needs of the hungry, the homeless, the hopeless, and the faithless. And we do our best. But sometimes we forget who it is we're really serving. And of course, that's God. And we start to think that we're all alone in the world, like that little boy in his bed late last night, terrified by the storm raging outside his window we can feel the same huddled here in our battered little boat afraid we're going to sink what are we going to do where is jesus what's going to happen to us how can we possibly see our way through this situation the fact is from the very earliest of days church people have felt this way they have been burdened with the daunting task of making disciples of all people while the rest of the world condemns their very existence, persecuting them, harassing them and mocking them. And then as we see in the letters of Paul, very often the conflict came from within the church itself. Paul wrote to churches that were fighting amongst themselves, that were struggling with morality, that were discerning the difference between gospel and heresy. You see, more often than not, the wind will blow. It will knock us around. And if we let it, it will distract us and push us way off course. Early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus did not abandon his disciples after all. There they were scared, far from land, battered by the wind and the waves. And Jesus appeared out of the storm in the most impossible way and said, do not be afraid. It seems to me that 90% of the problems human beings face are caused by fear, or more specifically, insecurity. Fear of not having enough, fear of not being good enough, fear of judgment, fear of failure, fear of physical harm, fear of being out of control, fear of being alone, fear of our loved ones being harmed. These fears plague humanity and often the church is not immune. And this is because the church is made up of people, and each one of us carries our fears with us wherever we go, even into the church. And Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The thing is, guys, the antidote to fear and all of our problems that stem from that fear is Jesus. We have to have faith that no matter what happens, he is always with us, no matter how bad the storm may seem. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, come to me, uh, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. If you notice here, Peter was doing just fine in the beginning. Once he recognized his Lord, he knew they'd be okay, and more than that, he knew that they'd be capable of incredible things as long as Jesus willed it to be so. So he asked Jesus to call him out of the boat, and when he did, Peter climbed out with confidence to do what? Walk on water. And not on any old flat sheet of water, no, Peter got out in the raging tumult with rain pounding him from above and waves beating at him from all sides, and still he got out of the boat. Peter left the meager security of that floating vessel to walk to Jesus because he believed that nothing could hurt him if Jesus was in charge. And what happened? Peter walked on water. That's what happened. His faith and God's will allowed him to do the impossible, and he kept his eyes on Jesus. Matthew is telling us, the church, that with Jesus, nothing is impossible. With Jesus, we can accomplish anything in any condition, no matter how bleak the situation may seem. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, everything and anything is possible. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So what is the wind in this story? What does it represent? Well, for Peter, the wind is a distraction, pure and simple. It's the one thing in this scene that's probably not going to cause him much harm. Not compared to the lightning and the huge swelling waves. Oh yeah, and in the water. But it's the wind that scared him, that caused him to take his eyes off of Jesus and begin to sink. So what are the things that distract us from Jesus in this life? Is it coronavirus? Is it people? stating their opinions, whether we agree with them or not, whether we want to hear them or not. Is it our president, our political leaders? Is it a particular political party? Is it your neighbor down the street who won't mow his lawn? What are the things that distract us from Jesus in this life? What about our cell phones and the games we play or our favorite TV programs? Maybe it's even our jobs. Maybe it's something as simple as rather reading a book than reading the scriptures. And why do we let these things distract us? What is so terrifying about them? And of course, there's nothing terrifying about the book, but coronavirus or people in our midst who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, that's pretty terrifying. Can the paralysis that we feel in the face of these fears cause us to sink, to fail? Well, yeah, but do these things themselves actually have the ability to harm us? No, not when Jesus is with us. But Laura, you're thinking, what about all the people who have died from coronavirus? It harmed them physically, yes. But if their eyes were on Jesus, then they never wavered. They did not sink. No matter where we are in this life or the next, Jesus has us by the hand and will take care of us. The only power that these terrifying things have over us is the power to distract and deter us from achieving our goal. And our goal is always Christ. As Peter walked across those dangerous waters, he kept his eyes on Jesus, and as long as he did that, he was fine. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and he began to sink. But then what did he do? He cried out to Jesus, Lord, save me, and Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. Fear not the wind, folks, because it cannot hurt us. Don't let it draw our eyes from our Savior. Don't let it distract us from accomplishing the great things in Jesus' name. But guess what? You're human. No matter how disciplined we are, no matter how focused on Jesus we stay, the wind will eventually blow hard enough. It will eventually cause that branch to tap on our bedroom window loudly enough that we will get frightened and distracted. And the really good news in this story is that Jesus is still there. All we have to do is cry out, Lord, save us. And Jesus will immediately reach out his hand and pull us out again. Now, people often use this story to shine a light on Peter's weakness. They focus on Jesus saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And they condemn doubt in all people, not just Peter. But I read this differently. I do not think that Matthew would have chosen to include this story in his gospel if he was just going to wrap it up with Peter's failure. Jesus did not simultaneously reach out to save Peter and berate him for his faithlessness. When I read this text, I see a father wrapping his arms around his frightened son and saying, Dear child, why did you doubt? See, I'm right here, always. And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Fear not the wind, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is right here always. Amen. Amen. Now, as we think about these words, I invite you to sing our hymn of reflection tu has venido a la oria lord you have come to the lake shore let us sing You guys make me cry. <laughs> In his book, Borrowed Light, Thomas Thomas H. Trozier wrote this poem titled, The Sails Were Spilling Wind. It goes like this. The, spail, the sails were spilling wind, the boat was taking waves, the mast began to bend, then called the Lord who saves. Be still, be still, and rage no more. Let peace descend on sea and shore. The sea became a glass reflecting heaven's light. The storm completely passed when Jesus said that night, Be still, be still, and rage no more. Let peace descend on sea and shore. Then heading toward the land, they marveled on the way that Jesus could command and make the sea obey. Be still, be still, and rage no more, let peace descend on sea and shore. The storm returns again in every heart it raves, until we hear again the Lord who told the waves, Be still, be still, and rage no more, let peace descend on sea and shore. This warring world shall end, unless we make it clear The one who tamed the wind can tame our hate and fear. Be still, be still, and rage no more. Let peace descend on sea and shore. Through every act and word of all our living days, may Christ's own voice be heard until the world obeys. Be still, be still, and rage no more. Let peace descend on sea and shore. Come to the table. Be still and rage no more. Come to the table. And let peace descend on sea and shore. I invite you now to come and eat. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray.
1: Our loving, gracious and awesome God, we gather now together around this, your table. A table that represents the greatest gifts ever given. The gifts of forgiveness, grace and love. Lord, we step to this table today, needing those gifts more than ever. And we thank you for wrapping your arms around us and sharing that love, grace, and forgiveness with us. Lord, as we partake of the bread and the cup together, we ask you to fill our hearts so that we can step away from this table and share that same love, grace, and forgiveness with all of those around us. Lord, we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
0: Let us take communion. The body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Now I invite you sing together our communion hymn, Asta Tu Altar, which means, Unto Your Table, Lord. Let us sing.
2: A pessoa
0: Join me in the Litany of Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born.
3: Christ Christ died.
0: Christ was raised. Christ Christ will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith.
3: Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
0: Throughout this year of 2020, the wind has raged around us like a gale. Do not let it distract you from your Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Keep your eyes focused squarely on him, and he promises you will not sink. Go in peace. And as we go, let us sing our hymn of sending forth, Amarte solo a ti, Señor, which means loving only you, O Christ. Let us sing.
2: Loving only you, O oh Christ Loving only you, O oh Christ Loving only you, O oh Christ And never looking back I follow in your steps, my Lord While never giving up, my Lord I fall before your altar, Lord While never looking back Loving only you, O Christ Carrying your cross, O Christ Loving only you, O Christ I seek to do your will I will protect the weak, my Lord I will defend the poor, my Lord I will proclaim your reign, my Lord while never turning back